Gen C is the generation of the new internet. In Gen C, the C stands for crypto, but it also stands for creators, the connected consumer and collectibles, both digital and physical with on-chain provenance. It stands for culture and characters, the ones we play in games and the companion ones that AI is building alongside us. It stands for community and digital citizenship and the new set of transparent and trustless tools being built to govern them. These are the people who were raised on a different philosophy on how they look at money, how they look at identity, how they look at privacy, and how they look at the hybrid, digital, and physical spaces being built all around us. And finally, how they reimagine their relationships with the communities and companies they interact with. We focus on how brands, large and small, are building for these audiences. Welcome to Gen C. Welcome everyone to the special episode of Gen C. We're about halfway through Fashion Week here in New York City. So we thought for this week, we would feature a special conversation that was had at Consensus this year called Dressing the Digital World, Cutting Edge or Out of Fashion, and features a group of people who are really some of the smartest minds in the idea of digital fashion. It has Derek Edwards from Collab and Currency, one of the sort of big brains who talks about the idea of ownership of digital assets and where we're going with trust-minimized databases and on-chain recording of transactions. We have Megan Casper, who's one of the leading voices in digital fashion, also a founding member of RedDAO. And we also have Nick Gonzalez, the co-founder of UNXD. UNXD and their team help bring large brands into the digital space Folks like Dolce Gabbana, Valentino, and a bunch of others, really an amazing group of technologists. A couple of notes. This was recorded live at Consensus this year. It is in front of a audience, so you might hear a little bit of room noise from the conversation. In addition, there is a video component that is playing behind them, just some of the assets that they're talking about. Not necessary to enjoy the conversation, but if you want to, we will have the link to the session in the show notes. So if you want to watch it instead of listen to it, all you have to do is register for a Coindesk account and that should give you access to the video. But we just thought, given it's Fashion Week, we are ready to bring you an amazing conversation all about digital fashion. Avery and I will be back next week with some amazing guests and we have a really amazing lineup of guests coming over the next bunch of weeks, which we're excited to share with you. So with that, hope you enjoy this conversation around digital fashion from Consensus 2023. Welcome. Thank you guys for joining me. So topic today is dressing the digital world, cutting edge or out of fashion. I think we are all probably on the cutting edge side of it, but let's just set the stage. Let's introduce yourself and we'll go from my side over this way. Oh, actually, all right, Derek, you go first. No, you're ready. Start with Megan. I say who you are, how you fit into this world Megan, and uh, a little bit about what your background is. Who wants to go? Megan's got this. Megan. Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming today. I'm Megan Casper. I'm one of the founding members, along with Derek, of Red Dow, which is the world's first digital fashion-focused DAO. And we invest in and incubate and purchase digital fashion items and platforms to help proliferate the narrative around the digital fashion opportunities. Hey, everyone. I'm Nick Gonzalez. I'm a co-founder of UNXD, and we're writing the next chapter on luxury in the Web3 space. We are probably most well-known for a partnership with Dolce & Gabbana. 
creating the first couture collection on chain, Collezione Genesi, of which Red Dow was a buyer and participant. And most recently, we're bringing Dolce & Gabbana from kind of the uh, Web3 space into the Web3 gaming space with the launch of Masana.xyz coming up this year. And just announced a partnership with Valentino, one of the hottest Italian fashion brands out there. My name is Derek Edwards. I'm a managing partner at Collab Currency. We're an early stage Web3 investment group. We invest in some of the leading consumer Web3 projects at the seed stage. So some of my favorite products, things like Artblocks and Super Rare and Gallery, and also a co-founding member of TribuDAO, which is focused on fashion and digital fashion and Web3. And then related to digital fashion, early stage investor in some of the products that are helping build out this industry. So things like IYK and 90CC and Tribute Brand and Ready Player Me and things like this. So great panel here. Very excited for the combo. Awesome. And so I want to set the stage because you were all involved in that sort of iconic Doge Crown sale. And, you know, that was historic. I think it was over 400 ETH. It was, you know, you bought for. And that was 2021, real hype peak. And how has things changed since that moment for you? How are things evolved? We're two years from that. Obviously, the sales of that magnitude aren't happening right now. But, you know, do you think we're going to return to that? Where have we gone? And whoever wants to start up on that? Do you want to provide context on what it was? Yes, uh, oh, that would okay. be lovely. So uh, the Doge crown is more than just, I guess, a meme. It was an actual physical item that was part of the Collezione Genesee drop that was based around Altimoda 2021. It's a really fantastic crown. I think if we have a photo of it, that's probably going to come up both a physical and digital item. And this was really, when we were creating something with Dolce & Gabbana, we really wanted to make something that started at the pinnacle of what fashion was for the brand. So we started with Altamoda, so with the couture collection that they did. And this was a really beautiful piece inspired by the city of Venice and the Doge Palace that's there. And it had this very nice crossover with Doge and Dogecoin. So it was a little bit of a wink and a nod, but was really exciting to collectors of both fashion and the Web3 space. And that's, I think, where we saw when physical and digital were combining, that intersection that's happening technically also happened in the cultural space as well as we saw so many people in Web3 looking for the next phase of what was happening once you could tokenize items. Yeah, and as a member of Red Dow, we were most excited. This was our inaugural purchase. So we purchased the crown in the auction and also two of the jackets that were just shown. The jackets are purely digital. And this is the first time in history that a high-end luxury fashion brand launched any initiatives in Web3. So that was really our moment entering into Web3 from the luxury standpoint. And at Red, we were really excited about that purchase. No, I was going to say, like, and from an investment point of view, sort of like, you know, what was your... Yeah, so I'll just say, like, since 2021, which is, I think, the question you teed up, I would say behaviorally, I think I continue to see the same things that I was looking for in 2023 that I was in 2021. I mean, this idea of digital objects having value, I think, is something that has been around for decades. So I was an early player in some of these internet economies, things like World of Warcraft, things like Diablo 2. And there were markets that would form for digital objects, whether they were armor or swords or skins. And these would be priced off market. But these digital objects didn't live on a trust-minimized database like a blockchain. They lived on a server, a private database. And over decades, we've continued to see behaviorally the same things happen. So just listen to this awesome talk right before this. It was Spencer from Yuga who referenced Counter-Strike skins, which continue to sell you know, tens of millions of dollars worth of skins 
every single quarter. And these are not objects that live on a blockchain. These are objects that live on a private database, but there's still a demand and a growing demand by younger audiences to want to flex, to want to own, to want to curate their identity in these digital spaces. And so, you know, things like this drop and things like a lot of the images that you'll see up here is really just slotting into this grand trend line of younger audiences wanting to participate meaningfully inside of these digital economies in ways that help shape and inform their identity. And so I have seen nothing over the last two years than an acceleration towards these behaviors and couldn't be more excited about, you know, the things that are being worked on to optimize around this. I think that's a really interesting point you made around sort of the counter-strike from the last thing. And we've seen that there's been black markets for skins, but they're not on chain. And this is a way to, you know, have these verifiable, legitimate things. And I think that's one of the things that I think is interesting about, you know, bringing Web3 to fashion is that sort of ability to have providence. So, you know, is that something that sort of drew Dolce & Gabbana to the project? A hundred percent. I think it's a question that comes up with every fashion brand, particularly a luxury brand that we work with. If you're creating an item that is so exclusive and so valuable, if it's a one of one in real life, now it can be a one of one digitally as well. And that provenance is stored on the blockchain. So now Red Dow and the other buyers of Collezione Genesi have that piece forever for as long as Ethereum is operating. I hope it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not worried about Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. And, and then now that's expanding even further, more and more into the digital space. So I think if 2021 was about couture for us, 2022 was about ready to wear, and then now 2023 is really about expanding into that gaming realm, that digital kind of um, looking towards what's going on in the digital space and helping enhance those experiences. I think we always say that people spend their money where they spend their time, and people are spending more and more time on gaming than they ever had before. You're looking at a quarter of a trillion dollar industry that has about 50 billion in cosmetics every year. Like It's going to be relevant, just like emerging markets were relevant to fashion brands as buyers coming out of China, coming out of all around the world. The same thing is going to happen in gaming. People are going to want to enhance their experience of those games. They're going to want to connect to those communities and fashion is part of that. Great. And what do you say to sort of the skeptics of the people who are sort of saying like, well, that seems like a lot of money to spend on something that I can't physically hold. And we'll come back to the physical part of it. Like there are the connected pieces. No, Megan, go for it. I'll pick up. <laughs> Megan. Well, you know, if you look at the amount of people in the world that are, we're all netizens, basically, there's over 4 billion people using social media. And, you know, I think social media and gaming are going to merge into this social reality. And as we get to device disruption from our smartphones, handheld, to some near eye wearable, or even a brain computer interface chip, I think that, you know, the dematerialization of physical reality that's happening will be incremental over the next 10 or 15 years. So the generations that say, you know, digital is not as important as the physical, this really doesn't speak to them. This is more for the younger generations. And I feel like as millennials, we're sort of the bridge between, you know, the old paradigm and this new paradigm and the wave of dematerialization. Yeah, brilliant. The only other thing I would add is we're heading on a one-way train right now, and it's like the convergence of multiple trend lines. It's the fact that a younger demographic wants to curate their identity in digital spaces more than they want to curate it in physical spaces. And those represent like this generation's next consumers for these objects. The second is the hardware constraints are now being relaxed such that more immersive experiences around how you shape your identity can be enjoyed by larger groups of people. And as Megan said, we're just spending more of our time in these digital environments than we ever have. I mean, 
I've been saying this for years, but we've already been in a metaverse light. We are on Zoom calls all day. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook taking photos of our physical selves so we can curate our digital identity. We're already doing behaviorally the things that an immersive metaverse-like environment should look like. It's just all built on private databases and it's all being patched together by bad technology. But the truth is blockchains are just a settlement layer for digital ownership. All of the information that we're using on these private databases will one day live on trust-minimized databases for the benefits that we all know. There's interoperability, there's composability, there's price discovery. And these trend lines are all converging very quickly. And over time, I think it'll be shocking when folks start realizing a non-trivial amount of the world's GDP is going to run on blockchains and it's going to be digital objects and digital value. Yeah, and that really brings up something, Megan, I know you've, you know, posed in virtual fashion. Can you speak a little bit about sort of where does that come from and how do you see that growing? Well, it's still very early, but one of our portfolio companies, DressX, they use 15 different use cases for digital fashion, which is the most out of any digital fashion company that exists. And just to sort of show their capabilities, I was the first human to wear a digital fashion NFT on live television in 2021. And then I was also the first human to be featured on the cover of a magazine wearing high-end luxury fashion. So Fendi let us superimpose digital clothing onto the photos of me. And those are just two ways that someone can use digital fashion, but people are valuing their digital identities more than their physical. And as we begin to value our digital more and more, we'll really care about the way that it looks and how we're able to show our ownership of items. Because today, you know, the outfit that I'm wearing, the designer has no idea where I'm wearing it, who's seeing it, where it's being posted. But all of that post-sale consumer data and analytics can be now collected, put on chain, and then hopefully the wearer can be compensated. So there's definitely a lot of business models and new business model disruption that will come out of all of these use cases. Yeah, I think that really touches on also something I think we touched on when we chatted before, that idea that you start to build a community. And how is that filling into, you know, sort of all of what you're working on, but, you know, that you do get to know, not just, you know, someone who walks in the store, hands over a credit card, but you actually have start to build a relationship with these customers. I mean, how does that fit into sort of, and, uh, you know, Nick? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I can take that first. So, I mean, I think that this is a new experience, particularly for luxury brands. They know that they missed kind of e-commerce going online. They knew that going into Web2 was a new experience for them, which was kind of the user could go from purchasing your products online to commenting on what you're posting online. And then now it's a whole new level of interaction that's happening through Web3. So we have a Discord server that we're managing that's tying into Twitter. We're doing Twitter spaces. Davide Segari from Dolce Gabbana was just today had the first time somebody from Dolce Gabbana was authorized to speak on behalf of the brand in our Discord space. So it's a new experience. But the power that it's tapping into is the fact that now people are not able to just become consumers of an item and have that relationship end once they leave the store or fear that they're going to be harassed through email spam or something like that. Instead, now they're truly owners of the object that they bought digitally as well, and that creates a new relationship that can be scaled through software. So you can kind of create this digital intimacy, I think, that brands have been so good doing in the real world when you visit a boutique. Now that kind of ownership can be proof of ownership so that now when they're online, I can identify somebody like Megan who's living in the future. It's seriously like you hopped in a time machine and <laughs> this is what everybody's going to be like you know, in the next five to 10 years. And we can identify all of our holders and then help give them 
you know, new items or help reward the people who are the biggest collectors or promoters of the brand themselves. And this is all evolving. It's not just going to necessarily be about one thing, but it's going to be about all these things kind of that are leveraged through the power of digital ownership. I'll add to that with like, I'll anchor this to a real world example, which is 90cc. It's the hat I'm wearing right now. And inside of this hat, there's a little nine right here. There's a little NFC chip in here powered by IYK, which is a software resolver layer for NFC chips to interact between the physical and this blockchain-based database. Once you actually have that tie between a digital asset that lives on a blockchain and a physical that can be linked to it, you can start to create very interesting experiences that could be pushed to this end user. There's a proof, there's a provenance that exists now. There's also you know, a marketplace that can form on top of these primitives such that anyone can create a module through IYK to be able to push new experiences with the creator's intent like a game, and that game could have score, and that score could have a leaderboard. And you can now start to see how brands can communicate with their end users post-purchase in a way that just wasn't previously possible, because we now have this provenance that exists on this permanent, immutable, trust-minimized global database that we've never had access to before. And that's a very powerful primitive. 90CC is really just starting to scratch the surface of what they can do there, but there's all sorts of experiences value add, communication that can now exist between creator and owner of a physical object in a way that just didn't exist before. And I think that's some of the tie that I think is really exciting here over the next couple of years. The chips, are they washable? Like if you have a new shirt, like are you going to ruin it when you throw it in the dryer? I've never washed this shirt. And I'm going <laughs> to wear it forever. No, they are washable, retains perfect usage. So they're pretty durable. Great. But yeah, I think that that sort of interaction in real life sort of connects these communities. And back in the 2021, again, there were the Ape Fest. Do you see those kind of like gatherings by brand, sort of something that's going to return? I think it sort of faded away a bit, but do you think that's going to rise back up? I think that wallet adoption, that's one of the biggest trends that I'm watching. And I think that it's going to take more people using wallets and being able to interact with the wallet in an easy, streamlined, simple way. Right now you have like Rainbow and MetaMask and a few others, and they're just the barrier to entry is not super streamlined and easy for consumers. And when I think about Web3 versus Web2, we have pretty streamlined consumer capabilities when it comes to buying things online. And I think that Web3 will just make it much easier. So instead of logging in and typing in all of you know your address, your credit card, payment, I think that it'll just streamline that, connect wallet, and then immediately take out whatever the payment is. Hopefully your address will be saved on there and it'll be a one-click purchase and streamline. And then everything you own, like the receipts of what you own, are now showing in your wallet and you can share that from a standpoint of digital flexing, or just have that for different ways of optimizing ownership and taking leverage against things that you own. So imagine 30 to 40% of the average American's closet goes unworn. Most people don't even know what they have. That's why they're continually shopping all the time and buying new things. Well, if you have everything in one place, you can see it, and then you actually know the value of your closet and the value of your assets, and you can take leverage against them, this gets pretty interesting. I actually love that. My husband actually works for Stitch Fix, which is sort of like, you know, curating things, but they don't know what you have in your closet. And that was something we've talked about. And that idea that you could let people sort of help you out curating, like, do you think that's something that would come in? So, you know, multiple brands working together to say like, all right, everyone who wants to be in will help you create outfits, will suggest things. Do you think that's something that's possible? I mean, just came to me, but I think that's super interesting. I think AI will have a huge play in that. 
you know, the Web2 apps like Stylebook that catalog your clothing, I think that we'll have another application and layer of AI in there. So AI and blockchain, I think, are huge components of what we're going to experience with Web3 consumerism. Yeah, I totally agree. The only other thing I would add there is we're now taking these physical objects that have helped shape identity, and we're creating these digital representations of them in a very inexpensive way. When you start putting what has previously been physical into a digital environment that's programmable, that actually demonstrates provenance, that could be read by anyone on a global public ledger, all of these things are going to mix and match. These ingredients are very powerful, and new types of products and new types of services are going to get created, many of which that leverage models and LLMs to things that we can't even dream up today. But like the fact that we're now digitizing the world onto this public database is an unlock that I think people don't quite recognize yet. It's going to increase the types of products, the types of services, the TAMs of these markets in ways that just aren't really conceivable right now. I could just actually add one thing to that. So getting back to the point about, I think I've been talking about the connection between the brand and the community. Uh Well, it's also within the community themselves. Now that people can identify who is a holder of a piece of Dolce & Gabbana, the DG family boxes, or any of the pieces from Real to Parallela, they can start connecting with each other. And to the point around AI, we just had this year with Metaverse Fashion Week, we had a fashion competition where actually people from the communities were designing pieces that could then be featured as part of the Dolce Gabbana collection there. And one of the members of our community actually used AI to help create, you know, he's not a designer per se in the traditional sense, but he has enough of a way around computers and enough taste that he went and used AI to actually generate an outfit that was good enough to be selected as one of the finalists as part of that. So it's already here, I guess, is the key. It's just not evenly distributed, I guess, as, as no, I'm saying. No, I think that's really interesting, especially because I think, you know, you think of luxury fashions as highly controlling of their brand image and their IP and that, you know, Web3's ethos is decentralized. So the idea that we're starting to allow people who are proven sort of brand ambassadors or brand fans participate in the ecosystem is really interesting. Do you think we'll see more of that? Do you think there'll be some kind of, you know, real tension points? Like I think Dolce Gabbana is, you know, at the forefront of Valentino coming on board, Nike UEC, you know, coming in. There's a lot of brands who are sort of like welcoming sort of that thing. You know, they had the dot swoosh had a competition, the curating Instagram so they could get people in. But I'm sure there will be brands that are sort of like, you know, we're Chanel. I don't know Chanel if they're into it or not, but, and we don't want that. And do you think that is against the Web3 ethos? Like, how do we thread that needle? I think it's a spectrum. I think it's something that brands will ring fence in the way that they're comfortable with. Sometimes people interject into social media and don't want comments. So they, you know, turn those off on the different platforms, but then they lose out on all these other great interactions. Dolce & Gabbana has been very forward thinking. And as a consequence, they've reaped the rewards of that. So I think it's going to come down to the brand themselves. I think as you're correctly hinting there between Chanel and and others. I just wanted to add, I think it's important for people to recognize the level of success that has happened with UNXD, bringing in Dolce & Gabbana and Valentino. So if you look at luxury fashion specifically and artifacts, we would not put this in the category, but aside from artifacts, UNXD has had the most amount of revenue from a Web3 initiative with a luxury fashion brand. So I think that that's a pretty interesting data point. And I think that we're gonna continue to see more and more brands enter the space as the use cases expand beyond just speculative asset investing and beyond just gaming. 
Yeah, and I'll add one thing, which is I think luxury fashion is a category that will be immense and will be valuable. And these are pioneers of what's happening in that space right now. But I will also say that fashion isn't just luxury, right? And I wouldn't call myself a luxurious person. I'm wearing chucks right now. But this was all a curated choice when I woke up this morning to wear this Cyberbucket shirt and these jeans and these shoes. And that choice is a choice of fashion. In the same way that me using a CryptoPunk on my profile photo with a Mebit behind it and a Chromy Squiggle flying behind me is a choice to curate and present my digital self. And there's going to be lots of those choices and lots of brands are going to start interacting with Web3 in a way that is what I believe to be fashion, even if it doesn't fit into the category of luxury fashion. And so I think this technology is very democratic. It's very open. It's very permissionless. But I think the thing that I want to convey is just a slight reframing is, you know, we all woke up this morning and made decisions to curate our identities and ourself. And this technology will allow us to do that, curate ourselves in a digital way to a global audience. And those decisions, by their very nature, are fashion decisions and identity decisions. And this is a technology that will expand to all brands. I love that. And I think that's very true. And it sort of speaks to the democratization. But, you know, it does allow people to sort of curate it on a much broader special spectrum than just, you know, high-end luxury fashion. I know that is the title here, but I do think fashion is broader than that one aspect. And do you think, and we talked a little bit about this, that there is sort of the ability, I know that, you know, Dolce Beta do ready to wear, but they're not quite like, you know, consumer mass market. But do you think that this in the future would open up more opportunities for aspirational people? Like we talked before, I copied a Dolce Gabbana gown for my prom dress because I couldn't afford the real one. I had the dressmaker make it. But, you know, I would have loved to have been able to buy in now today's world, you know, a digital version of the real dress to actually present, even if I can't afford the physical dress. And sort of where do you think we are going to fall on that sort of spectrum? I mean, we're seeing not just luxury, but as Derek alluded to, fashion is more than just that. And Web3 digital fashion specifically, more natively, is very fantastical, gamified, augmented, and you know, you can have things flying around you or wings in aspects that the physical really restricts you and restrains you from experiencing. So it's more of an experiential product that is being created. And we're seeing a lot of brands, not just 90cc, but Sky Psyche, actually, Alice Delahunt is building out a whole platform for digital fashion natives to be able to expand just digitally and not so much connected to the physical. So there's, I think, a huge opportunity for digital fashion native designers. Steffi Fung is another one who's really great. So again, as we expand and explore more of our digital identities, we'll see more and more people filling their digital closets with digital fashion. What are you most excited about? What are the things we we'll think we'll see in the next year, two years that you think we really need to keep an eye on? I think this intersection between physical and digital, I think is incredibly powerful. And I think the primitives have now been kind of built and the standards are getting created for some really interesting stuff some very meaty stuff as it relates to the physical and the digital to get created. I think projects to keep an eye on are for sure 90CC, what G Money's doing, IYK, tribute-brand.com is coming out with a very compelling drop at that intersection over in the next couple of weeks. So make sure to follow along there and then just follow anything these two are doing. They're the gurus. 
I think the thing I'm most excited about is the next evolution of what we're doing with Dolce Gabbana right now. And of course, Valentino coming up towards the end of the year. That's Masana.xyz. And that's really a movement from what we're doing with Couture to Ready to Wear, and then now into the Web3 gaming and adding in a digital identity to each of the holders in our community. And that's something I think I'm really excited by. It's a cultural movement, not just a technological one. And it's where we're going to help bring more storytelling, I think, to Dolce Gabbana and more interactivity in the digital space than people have ever seen before. Well, for me, as an investor in the blockchain space for over the last 10 years, it's most exciting to see wallets and wallets that have easy UI and UX come to bring more people in. And I think that the use case of digital fashion will help proliferate the adoption of Web3 and blockchain. I'll add one, one last thing. I swear, I promise it's the last thing, <laughs> no, it's which good. is, I think, a big, big, big tailwind over the next 12 to 18 months is gaming and really great Web3 games getting created. And some of the identity things that I discussed previously being, you know, a core part of what makes Web3 ownership and Web3 assets powerful and a very powerful value prop. And I think we're at the point now where some of these digital fashion, like the bridge to understanding this stuff is going to come through some of these immersive experiences that look like games and Web3 games. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, thank you all so much for joining me. 